0: It's 4 o'clock in the Monday, and you know what that means, it's time for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live! Yeah, baby! <laughs> this week's starring special guest star, Miss Lydia Ashton! <laughs> <laughs>
1: welcome,
0: welcome. Thank you. Thank you, man. Thank you, fake audience. Uh, let me get the volume turned down a little bit. And get the chat room open so we can see our friends. Hi, guys. How are you? So, um, I'm half asleep because we just got done doing the road rally. I got home 1130 last night. We were all walking zombies. I had really big bags under my eyes. You look pretty good.
1: Uh, yeah. <laughs>
0: uh, Lydia uh, was supposed to do the second half of the show today because a gentleman from Norway was going to be here um, and interview me for the number one music magazine in Norway, which probably goes out to a very small group of people, I would imagine. And uh, he got a stomach virus, so he can't make it today. No flashes. (laughs) And he couldn't make it today. Uh, So Lydia was kind enough to come early. And the reason I'm excited that she's here at all today is that I've known Lydia for, I don't know, seven or eight years now, I think. And she was kind of amongst the core group of taxi members that really latched on to the community aspect of what we do early on on the forum and at the road rally and she knitted herself or became knitted into this group of people that would all like take a bullet for each other and uh... she was our honoree for the um... John Brahaney um, what we used to call the John Brahaney Songwriting Award, and then we realized, hey, half the time it's going to be for composers. So now it's the John Brahaney Award, or as we call it around here, the JB. Um, John Brahaney, of course, being uh, kind of the, the godfather of uh, song um, consultants, and uh, he taught me so much about what this company is, about screening and educating, and uh, passed away a couple of years ago. So we named the award after him, and I'm very happy that Lydia is here today and the recipient of the award. So, um, we are going to do a little bit of what we did at the Road Rally. uh, On Was it Saturday or Friday? Friday. Friday. We did the stuff when we made the presentation. And I interviewed Lydia on stage, and we're going to do that today. So I'm going to shut up and start asking her (laughs) questions. Actually, I'm not going to shut up because I'm going to read your letter. Um, I guess it was... Some months ago, uh, that Lydia sent this to me. And geez, was it? I don't have the date on. Do you remember when you first sent me the very first email? I think
1: the first one was sometime in March.
0: Okay. It was in the spring of 2015. Mm-hmm. And it said, uh, last spring, got, or, I got, oh, this is what I said on stage. I don't have my wits about me at all today. Um, Dear Michael, uh, you recently asked that members report their deals. So here's a letter sharing some of my successes. I'm very thankful to you, or very thankful that you started Taxi and for how you sincerely care for all the members. I have much to thank you for. I joined Taxi in the summer of 2008. At the time, I'd scored several indie films, but had never written for TV. Since then, I've learned so much through writing for Taxi listings as well as through being active on the Taxi Forum and attending the Taxi Road Rally. Go Road Rally! Being a mother of three who's homeschooled my children for the last few years, Uh, I've not been as active submitting to listings or writing music as many of my colleagues. The last few years, I've spent about 15 to 20 hours per week on music, Which, and she says, if even that, parenthetically, and I wanted to mention, I think that that's more than a lot of people are spending. So even though you were busy, Mm. you're still ahead of the game. Um, That said, through staying focused and using what I've learned through taxi, I've still been able to accomplish much. I would not be where I am without taxi. I'm very thankful for the things I've learned through Taxi and the connections I've made. I signed a couple of pieces due to a forward back in 2012, but most of my successes is due to networking. Uh, most of my success, sorry, is due to networking done on the Taxi Forum and at the Taxi Road Rally. Here are some numbers: I've signed with 15 libraries since joining in 2008. I've signed 348 pieces since 2008. 95 of these are collaborations. Never underestimate the power of collaborating, which we talked about a lot at the Road Rally. Um, I had my first placement in the summer of 2010. I've had about 3,000 placements since then. Counting reruns and foreign airings, I've had about 12,000 plays. My music has been used in over 85 TV shows, and it's been heard in 150-plus countries. Due to connections made on the Taxi Forum, I landed the main title theme for the Nate Burke show, which was a co-write with whom? Um,
1: David John. David John? Yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, I don't think I've Do, ever met him. He
1: was a taxi member, I think, around that time.
0: So. Okay, but not now. Yeah. Because I, I don't think I've ever met him. But anyway. Yeah,
1: he never came to a rally. He should. Yeah, he should have.
0: <laughs> um, let's see. I uh, got that syndicated daily talk show on NBC, which aired in 2010 and 2011. Um, taxi gave a stay-at-home mom from the middle of nowhere, which is Tennessee. right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's the town?
1: Cleveland. Cleveland, and Tennessee. Um, three hours south of Nashville, half hour north of Chattanooga. Okay. And it's, so, I mean, we have a field of llamas as neighbors. <laughs> it's <laughs> really in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> I'm jealous. Yeah.
0: I want to retire from taxi and raise goats so I can relate to <laughs> that. You I don't know why, but there's something appealing about getting up at five in the morning, feeding goats, milking goats, and calling it a day. <laughs> um, anyway, uh... Let's see. Taxi gave a stay-at-home mom from the middle of nowhere a chance at a career writing music for TV, and I'm so thankful I get to earn money doing something I love. Thank you. Best regards, Lydia. So... Oh, and then she had a PS said the children went back to school last fall, and thus I am now spending more time composing. Watch out, world. Here I come. I love that part. <laughs> so I got a follow-up email from Lydia a few months after the letter I just read to you, and Lydia told me that she found out that her total play count was actually 103,000 and change placements. She also told me in that letter that she'd play, her music had played 1,436,262 times on Hulu, Um, She also told me that a short film that she scored in 2009 has had over 15 million views on YouTube, uh, in China, alone. (laughs) (laughs) And after that email, I got another email from Lydia, which reads, Hi, Michael. Yes, the income from all sources are indeed a healthy and welcome addition to the family finances. It's quite awesome to get paid to do something one loves. I realized after I sent the last email to you that I did not take into account placements on one shows, had some cue sheet hiccups, and they're still getting resolved. The good news is that I should get a very nice payment in the not too distant future since hundreds of those placements were on big networks. Um, Estimating based on the other NBC placements, my total play count, play count, (laughs) sounds like plate count, my other play count, my total play count is closer to 350,000. Pretty crazy amazing. Now I understand why shows on NBC, CBS, and ABC pay so much more than the shows on cable TV. The play count is huge. You asked me if most of my successes have come from relationships built on the forum and at the rally. Yes, with an exclamation point. Out of all my placements on TV, only eight came from a deal that had nothing to do with anyone or anything taxi-related. Um, I knew the music supervisor for that show. Those placements have earned me a total of $4. That deserves it. A- Woo-hoo! No, it deserves it. <laughs> a- yeah. <laughs> Out of all the libraries I've signed with, only one had nothing to do with anyone or anything taxi-related. I signed with them back in 2008, and they have gotten me zero placements so far. (laughs) Nada. The other 15 libraries happened because of relationships made on the forum and at the rally, and that is where all the placements and money have come from. I feel a deep gratitude toward Taxi. Taxi has given me so much, the opportunity to earn an income doing what I love, Lots of amazing friends, which you could definitely see at the rally, and colleagues, and a greater understanding of the business, and I've become a better composer thanks to advice and feedback from Taxi and its members. Thank you. Best, Lydia. So, um, I read that on stage, and uh, oh, then down at the bottom said, Lydia's last email had a PPS at the bottom. It says, thank you for hosting the rally every year. It's one of the highlights of my year. I always come home inspired and energized. See you in November. And I said, yes, she will. And then we played this, which I can't play the video without a lot of clunky stuff on um, Ustream. But I want to play you the audio from her reel so you can hear a montage of stuff that this young lady has done. Our audience in a can loves it. Anyway, uh, just amazing stuff in there. And uh, once again, I'm just so proud of you. And, Thank you. Uh, on stage, it was really hard for me. I, I think i uh, I'm get choked up now. Um, anyway, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the award is named after John Brahaney, who inspired so much around here. And his wife, Joanne, dropped by a little while ago. So I am going to endeavor oh, yeah. to pan over and show you joanne which is right there and there is nathan lydia's (laughs) husband and the kids all sitting over there (laughs) Uh, yeah not much light over there they're over there trust us they're they're eating cookies and chocolate so if you hear crunching noises and see kids bouncing off walls (laughs) you will know why Anyway, so uh, then we brought Lydia up on stage, and we did a little interview, so I'm going to re-interview you. Yeah. (laughs) We've been sitting here very patiently, uh, waiting for all the stuff to go through. So, where did I go? Oh, there it is. Okay. So, we already talked about where you live next to the llamas, which is cool, and now they know (laughs) that you're you're married with kids. Yeah.
1: um, And how many years did you homeschool the kids? Three years.
0: So that's a full-time gig, right? I mean, homeschooling one kid would be... uh,
1: Yes. Uh, I had this thought that I would homeschool them and I would compose full-time and, you know...
0: How did you have that thought? I
1: don't know. I thought homeschooling would be really easy. I guess that it would take a couple of hours every day. And it turned out that it didn't. Yeah. So I realized pretty quickly that if I actually wanted to stay sane and ever get any kind of sleep... I had to back down on the composer.
0: Which had to be kind of like putting a racehorse in a cage for you because, I mean, you've been doing this basically your entire adult life, right? You went to school for it. I did. You're from Sweden originally, right? Yeah. And where did you go to school and what exactly did you major in? Uh,
1: Well, in first, when you live in Sweden, before you go to high school, you pretty much pick your profession.
0: How is that possible? So, not that I think that I, I personally love that idea, but how yeah. would you know when you're like 12 or 13 what you want to do?
1: I don't. know. You did. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you do if you grow up with that because you think about it earlier. I don't know. I mean, not everyone knows, but so I knew I wanted to work with music. So I then you apply to the high schools.
0: Doesn't everybody apply and, for music? <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> it seems like everybody would apply for like the fun jobs, you yeah? know.
1: So, you know, you audition, you send in your grades, and they say yes or no. So I moved away from home at 16. Wow. To attend a high school focusing on music.
0: How so, lucky. Yeah. I mean, that's living the dream. That's pretty
1: awesome. So, right, the theory, the choir, the, all of that stuff.
0: And how many years were you in school studying music?
1: Uh, that was three years. Okay. And then I went to a Bible school for a year. Okay. And that's where I met Nathan.
0: Okay. Oh, I didn't know. you Bible school in Sweden and that Yeah. Scenario? What were you doing over there? Same thing. Okay. <laughs> Not music, though. No, I was, no, you I was there for your seminary. Yeah. But how did you end up in a Swedish seminary? You were an American... Uh, well, okay, so were you like in a Bible study program here where they send kids abroad no. or what? No, I had finished up my undergraduate and decided I wanted to spend some time... Um, kind of d- discovering my faith. Yeah. And I met a guy who went to this school, and it was really, really good for him. It was healthy for him. So I went and visited and liked it, so I went for a year. And, and, met... and I got I got a, <laughs> yeah, the, an the... amazing Swedish wife out of the whole thing. You really did. <laughs> you scored big Bonus. time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and then... I, I've always been impressed by the fact that you put your family first because musicians sometimes can be a little self-centric and yeah. it's all me, me, me. Not every musician, but just some that I've met along the way. And I think that's quite a sacrifice for you, but you. You know, just my personal opinion, not that I get to judge you or anything, but I think it's very honorable and cool that you put the kids first.
1: Thanks. Um, well, to finish up, sorry. Yeah, oh yeah, sorry. S- uh, that's okay. We spent a year apart to get paperwork in order. Okay. During that year I took another year of music and it's I'm not sure how to translate it to American education. It's Volksschule, but it's kind of Yeah, we don't have <laughs> yeah, that here. Kind of in between high school and university. Okay. So and that's only music subjects. Wow. So and then I did get a college degree here in the US where I studied composition. And that was years.
0: after you guys got married or moved right. here. Okay. Where? Wow. So. Where
1: at Oral Roberts University in oh. Tulsa, Oklahoma.
0: So, so, all right, so then you started having children and then you decided to homeschool them. Yeah. And then something happened, which was a major setback in your life, which you told me you were comfortable about, comfortable uh, speaking about on stage. So I'm assuming that you're comfortable here. Or do you want me to yeah, just turn cool. off the camera? Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. And it was, okay. uh, that was actually before the homeschooling.
0: Oh, okay,
1: um, but. wow. Back in 2008, yes, a lot of things happened. I became an American citizen, Congratulations. which is really cool. Welcome I joined home. taxi, which I'm so happy <laughs> that I did. That's uh, so right around the same time, our youngest daughter was in a near drowning. And she was given 50% chance of surviving, 5% chance of surviving without brain damage.
0: That's a scary statistic. And it's
1: really scary. Yeah. Uh, And
0: imagine how that felt.
1: now we were given a miracle That's how the doctor worded it because she recovered fully in three days, which is like unheard of But
0: by the way, she's sitting right over there (laughs) Very healthy. We're glad to report.
1: Yeah, but but it left the family a mess, you know, the emotional And I mean I felt like I must be the worst mom in the world that this could ever happen
0: I can't imagine you being the worst mom, but I can understand how you you. might go through that. Okay.
1: And then there were some other things that happened, like right after each other on that same level to our family and just left us in pieces. And uh, I ended up in a really dark depression and my doctor told me, you need help. This is not going to go away on its own. And the thing is, I didn't feel like anything had changed. I felt like this is how it's always been. Wow. That You were
0: so far into it that you couldn't see it from the outside anymore. Right.
1: And I felt like what do you mean need help? There's not nothing can change. Life is just so bad that nothing can ever change.
0: And didn't Nathan say honey, so, I think that you know, you're acting strangely and something's wrong but you didn't you couldn't see it?
1: Yeah, I I think I was probably pretty hard to reach at this point. And I, would pretty much I would sleep or watch TV or play computer games because then I didn't have to think mm-hmm. and I didn't have to feel. Um, and the one productive thing I would do uh, would be to compose. Mm-hmm. So I'm so glad I joined Taxi because I would read the listings and I would have that. I would write for the listings.
0: That's funny because I remember so. when you first joined and I first met you probably within your first year you came to a road rally. And I would have never known. Yeah. I don't think any of us knew, but at some point you reached out to your fellow taxi members?
1: Right. Uh, So I had a wake-up call about a year and a half later when Guinevere, who was four at the time, asked if we could play. And I usually said no, and for some reason I said yes. She handed me a barbie, and her barbie said to mine, do you want to see my mom? She lives upstairs in her bedroom. That's where she sleeps. We can't wake her up because it makes her angry. But when I miss her too much, I stand there and watch her for a while. And I realized that she was talking about me. Um, And she was talking about her life. And I was missing life. I was a ghost of sorts. Mm -hmm. And I'm so thankful to Nathan for holding our family together during this time. Um, So I called my doctor. Husband of the year award Yeah, really. I, I mean, yeah. I'm thankful I didn't lose my family Yes. Yeah. I really wasn't there. And I so I called my doctor and said I need help. And we talked about different ways to fight depression. And the one thing my doctor said, no matter what you do, you need a support group. And it needs to be people that were not in the middle of all of this when it right. happened.
0: Right, like not immediate so family members or friends. That that were above. also,
1: yeah. yeah, that would also need to work through things. and Right. Um, and those friends were people I'd met on the taxi forum.
0: Definitely a better choice than so. the llamas that live next door, <laughs> yes. I must say. Uh, and, and you made, I, I remember when you became part of that community, it was Matt yeah. Hurt and John Mazze and Dave Walton. I mean, I can.
1: It's a good that, group of people. The, they're and amazing. they're all still,
0: you know, all of you guys, there are probably 10 or 15 that were part of that original group that would all take a bullet for each other yeah. and you guys still hang out at the red rallies every year. It's pretty amazing. Yeah.
1: And it's, I mean, thinking about that, you know, when I joined taxi, I expected help with my music, Yeah, but I didn't expect to find a second family. And I did.
0: Or people it's, that were, I mean, strong enough and, and emotionally stable enough, which can be hard to find amongst musicians <laughs> sometimes that, that you could lean on them, you know, yeah, right? really? and rely on them. Um, I'm, I'm not amazed because I know all of them.
1: Right. And, yeah. And, and Any
0: one of them, you, you would look at them and go, there's a really great person. But yeah. as a group, pretty powerful.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it was a big ask because for the first few months, I talked to them every day. Wow. About just, this is what I'm going through today. It's an awful day. This is what's happening. Or, you know, but they were there. Wow. And just.
0: That's hard to get even, you know, out of family and immediate friends, you know, it could test yeah. somebody's patience, like. You know, yeah, after, right. After a week of that, it's like okay, yeah, it's yeah. like heard <laughs> enough now. <laughs> well, I'm really, yeah. really happy that uh, you know people can fall into a bad group of people. Like you always fear that your kids will go to high school and fall in with a bad bunch of kids, right? And you join taxi and fell in with the perfect bunch of kids. Yeah, you know? that's that's an incredible story, um and I'm happy that you got through it and. Look at the end result. You know, you've got a beautiful family to be grateful for. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, and a wonderful husband, and and yeah. you're really blessed because you get everything. You, uh, you went from having this kind of a horrible life, or at least horrible period of your life, to right. this very blessed period where you've got all of that. Yeah, and you're doing what you love to do, which hardly anybody really gets to do.
1: that's true
0: most people don't really love going to work every day so let's talk about the work Um, let's talk about music and uh, talk about your process for figuring out which I I loved, because it really what you explained on stage really echoed something that I opened the road rally with so I was loving when you were saying it Um, see I even need support I really (laughs) (laughs) do I'm always trying to drive these points home and uh, when somebody who's actually done it says yeah it worked for me so tell uh, the viewing audience how it is that you decide what it is that you're going to um, the kind of cues you're gonna write and the process that goes on from that point forward
1: yeah um, once I either have a request, so I know I need to do this genre, or I decide this is a genre I want to do because one of my like. Okay, actually, let me back up a little. Right. I keep a spreadsheet where I keep track of every placement I've ever had, so I can see exactly how much each library earns me for what genre, what pieces has gotten me the most money, and that way, when I get a, if I have, okay. Sorry, no, I, I'm thinking faster than uh, I'm talking, or talking faster so than I'm thinking. So basically,
0: you're analyzing <clears throat> the numbers so that you're spending I your time am. productively.
1: Right, so then when I get a request, or even if I'm in between requests, I can look at that to decide what I want to focus on. Mm-hmm. So once i picked a genre, let's say it's dramedy, I will find a show that uses that and uh, watch several episodes, like three or four episodes in a row. And just pay attention to the music. How is it used? What instrumentation? What tempo? Uh, how how do they use it to get the emotion across?
0: How many episodes of um, Desperate Housewives have you watched? <laughs> <laughs> Lots. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Probably and, too
1: uh, many. Yeah. And then I take a break, go for a walk, drink some coffee, but not too long. You don't want to forget, you know. The the How long
0: is a break? Like a fifteen minute break or a two hour break?
1: Um. Maybe it depends on the day, but I'm leaning more toward the shorter. Okay. Just to keep, because it's really all about emotion, and you want to kind of keep a hold of that, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so then I open up a DP session and start recording ideas, and usually just short snippets, anywhere from 10 seconds to a minute.
0: And is there a um, particular sound that you work with, or is it just like piano, or do you ever start with strings or horns or pizzicato, violins, or is it always just a basic piano thing of just the melody and the tempo?
1: Most of the time, it's piano for me.
0: Okay. And so then you've got this collection of stuff in, in Performer, and at what point do you go back and decide which of them looks like the most fruitful choice to move forward with as far as finishing it and fleshing it out?
1: Uh, it can be anywhere from... I usually at least sleep on it. hmm because I want to go back with fresh ears. Okay. So it can be anywhere from the next day to several months later. Wow! And I do keep track of those ideas. I love spreadsheets. Yeah. But <laughs> I keep track of that in a spreadsheet, too, saying that this file has 10 ideas. Mm-hmm. And then I say, idea one is in this key signature. Right now I have 10 seconds. Hmm. And I was thinking kind of like this show, or with these instruments. Okay. I did two, and I, so I can go and look at that spreadsheet. When I need, whatever it is, dramedy, I can go and see do I have any dramedy ideas already? And I know where to find it and kind of what to expect.
0: So, when you do one dramedy piece, and let's say you do it in the key of A and you do it at a mid-tempo, will you go on and do other variations um, using that same basic idea or some of the same sounds? as long as you're kind of in the dramedy space, or do you just finish that one piece and then a day later... Oh, let me ask you this. How, okay. long, <laughs> how long does it take you to finish a piece, like a dramedy piece? Is it something that's three hours, or is it a day and a half, or is it a week?
1: Well, I've never really timed it, um, and it, and it's really wide range. but it's about for a full orchestral piece, mm-hmm. I probably spend... 10 to 15 hours.
0: Okay. And what about something Um, that's smaller, that's maybe six or seven instruments? um, Yeah, like a small ensemble kind of
1: piece. uh, Let's say piano and strings. I do a lot of that. I'll probably spend three to five hours.
0: Okay. So you could Um, do two in a day if you're feeling particularly... And solo piano,
1: I mean, anywhere from half hour to a couple of hours. Wow. So you have to look... Suspense, I probably spend four to six. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something I look at too when I decide what I want to be working on. Do I want to make one piece this week or do I want to make 10?
0: So you're looking at this as a business. You're still a creative person. Uh, I know you well enough that I'm guessing you haven't sold your soul (laughs) to do stuff that's commercially viable and brings in income. You're looking at it from a, uh, like a scientific and business perspective.
1: I am. And yeah, so there's a balance between... This is
0: why she got the award. <laughs>
1: <laughs> between doing things simply for fun, yeah. but also thinking about, well, what will be used? Because it is a business, and I need to pay my bills and pay yeah. the kids. Um,
0: Your kids eat <gasps> stuff other than cookies and chocolate? <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> uh, I wish more people would do that. You probably heard me preaching that stuff from the, the stage all weekend at the rally. It's a, just because you're doing stuff that earns income you don't have to feel bad about it um creative people often feel like you know it's my art and i wait for the muse but you've been able to harness the muse and make her go to work for you in a productive way just because you're tracking how i mean the fact that you know about how long it takes you to do these pieces which ones have the highest probability of getting placed by which libraries? Mm-hmm. Which ones have the highest probability of earning the most income because they would probably get used on this kind of show versus that kind of show? Right. All that stuff. Were you in the room when I did the uh, the thing with Chuck Schlochter? Yes. Okay. So as you heard, we, we did a session called Retire a Millionaire from Your Music or something like that. And we showed how if in the first... If you start at 35 years old and save $1,000 from your musical income the first year and then like 1500 the next year, I'm just guessing at these numbers without pulling them out right now. Anyway, over time between 35 and 65 years old with um, compound interest at 5%, it is possible to retire with $1.67 million, I think I'm doing this from memory. And obviously, uh, like Chuck uh, would say on stage, you know, the disclaimer is, I'm not a financial advisor, but the point is that you're doing exactly the right thing. You're looking at doing something that you enjoy, but doing it in the most productive, efficient way possible, and doing it in the way that is likely to bring you the most income. Right. It's just really. I mean, it's everybody can do this if you really want. Just a hint. Um, do you have a massive home studio like with fifty thousand dollars worth a year? Yes. Not really. No. <laughs> I didn't know what answer I was really looking for. I didn't ask you this on stage, all day. All of a so I was looking around, like maybe she does.
1: No, I really don't. It's pretty small. It up until last year, it was in a corner of a basement. Okay. And that room was also playroom, library, workout room, guest room, and TV room. Okay. So it was a very noisy room, so I would sit in my corner with my headphones, and then I would say, "Everybody out," so I wow. could listen and really hear it. But I did almost everything on headphones until the final mix, uh-huh. and at that point, I needed it quiet. But
0: uh, do you have a lot of outboard so. gear and an expensive console? Or are you doing everything on a computer with you know, and everything in the box?
1: Uh, it's in the box. Yeah. Uh, I do have a nice keyboard yeah. with, with weighted keys, but. It's not so, um,
0: that's not so extravagant. Not so,
1: yeah. yeah. So, and then a year ago, we moved the studio to a room that's, uh, it's still a walkthrough room, but it's not a play, TV room, workout room, guest room. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. So it's actually, a little more quiet. That's good. <laughs> which is nice.
0: And is, is it fair to say you've got like ten to $20,000 worth of gear if you add up the price of the computer, the keyboard, and the software? Is it in that yeah, range?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I do. It's it's added up over the years. I don't know. I keep adding libraries. And but it, I don't know. Nathan, any guess?
0: I have lost track. But I mean, uh-huh. if you look at the stuff you're currently using, because yes, you could yeah. buy a library for two thousand dollars four years ago. That's now outmoded, and yeah, you exactly. want to buy it. Yeah, a that's movie. true.
1: Right. So
0: but yeah, that's I,
1: probably a good guess.
0: Okay, so yeah. it's it's not expensive. To no, get into Because right. a lot of guys think, you know, if I want to compete with somebody like Lydia, I would need to have this really just all-out studio that would look like it'd go on the cover of Mix Magazine.
1: And really, the most expensive is the orchestral because it will pay a lot for the different instrument groups.
0: Right. So. As somebody was pointing out yesterday, I think, at one point during the rally, they were saying that, uh, oh, it was um, Nick Murray was talking about the fact that Like one library will sound a little mellower in tone and recorded with more distant microphones where another one will be recorded up close and sound more strident. And so you may want to combine the two, things like that, just to get a a better sound.
1: Something, sorry. Yeah. Something about that. uh, When I first started out, I was talking to someone um, who was way ahead of me in the game. And he said, don't go out and buy a bunch of sound libraries just because it's cool. Wait until you need it. Mm -hmm. and I was like yeah but it's so much fun (laughs) so I bought a lot of things that it turned out I didn't need and didn't use so that's another thing I try to be very careful and wait until there's a project that I absolutely need it for you know would this actually make the project sound better would it actually make it go faster or is it just because it's a cool toy in which case I really don't need it
0: right I I understand It, it you know Having been a studio rat myself, you always want that new cool toy, but uh,
1: yeah.
0: as Matt Hurt has pointed out many times on the show and at the Road Rally, it's more about, you could buy a $500 library, and if you learn how to use that to the ma- its maximum level, you'll probably get a better result than somebody who has just moderate skills or um, beginner skills with a $2,500 library. So, it's...
1: Learn how to use it. Yeah.
0: It's yeah. more about under... You know what? Matt's point, and I'm pretty sure you would agree with him, it's, it's think like a fiddle player.
1: Hmm. You okay. Know?
0: Yeah, he always says, you know, listen to what horn players do, you know, how their notes trail off or how they attack the front end of a note. Yeah. Or listen to how a, a violin player, you know, when, when they um, bow the strings, there's that moment before the bow comes back. Yeah. And just because the sample is accurately recorded with a nice microphone in a nice room, it may not have that loading.
1: Right. And, and yes, so you he- need to know how it's supposed to sound so you can recreate it. Right, and
0: then that takes. So, that's not something you can buy, get under the tree on Christmas morning, and be making great sounds with by dinner time, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, you mentioned that you, sp- uh, you use spreadsheets. And I think when we talked before the rally, you mentioned that you use Composer Catalog as well.
1: I do. That's Which great.
0: We didn't talk about that at the rally. And I, I want to give a shout out to our mutual friend, Keith LeBrant. Uh, is it LeBrant or LeBrant? I always forget.
1: I'm not sure. <laughs> I ask him in an email
0: about twice a year, and he always tells me, whatever, Keith, we're going to call him LeBrant. Um, he invented Composer Catalog to organize his own music because he too is a successful composer. So tell everybody what Composer Catalog does. And, and yes, we're plugging it, but for a good reason. Because if you're getting to a level where you don't know where things are, who it's been submitted to, then you should have it.
1: Yes. Um, well, you put in all the information: the title, the library you signed it with, the key signature, the metadata. Um, Try and think what else. Tempo. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything goes in there and then you link it to a file so you can listen to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's really nice to have it all in one place. You really need to have it in one place. So if you, so you did a
0: variation it. of it, then you could just copy that information and create a, a, a new record, I guess, and then just update. So like if you did a, a 30, a 60 and a 90.
1: And you would you could link it to that. Following. All from that one thing. Yeah, which is awesome. super nice.
0: Um, so, anyway, check that out at composercatalog.com. I, honestly, I had probably 10, 11, 12 people come up to me at the rally and say that they were tickled pink to see that Composer Catalog was a sponsor of the rally this year.
1: I thought about that too. Yeah. yeah.
0: And it's like it's, it's catching on um, and That's for good. good reason. So, hit songwriters use certain song forms, uh, you know, like uh, intro, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, and out. Um, is there a form for TV cues? Or can people just create pretty music and somebody will love it?
1: For most libraries I write, they ask for a two minute cue. Mm -hmm. They want it to be one tempo, one key signature, one emotion, and then end with the button. Repeat that
0: one more time for these guys.
1: Okay. So about two minutes. Okay. One key signature, one tempo, and one emotion.
0: All right, so not a bunch of scene changes or look at how fancy this is, but stick with one thing throughout. Right, so okay. that they can
1: cut easily and create their own, cut out the metal or whatever they need to do.
0: And you layer the instruments like you might start out with just piano and then four bars in, introduce cello, and then another four bars introduce something else. And then at some point drop it back, and then build it back up, and then crescendo and button ending kind of thing. To yeah. Ke- keep it. Of you being, do
1: need to keep it interesting. So. Yeah. I,
0: I know it's hard for people who, it's, you know, if any novices are watching today, really, you just have one motif from top to bottom for two minutes. Doesn't that get really boring? But no, not it, if, if you know what you're doing.
1: Yeah, I think most pieces. I I do instrumental music. I don't do a lot of songs. Right. So I think most of them are does have an A section and a B section. Mm-hmm. And then every time it repeats, it just, you change something, you add something, take something away, move the melody to a different instrument. Or.
0: And do you use intros, short intros, no, or no intro?
1: Most pieces for me, no intro.
0: And the A section that you come in with, is that equivalent to like a song chorus, where it's the bigger, hookier, meatier part of it, and you boom right in on that? Or do you start out with something that's maybe more like a pre-chorus and then come in with something that would be chorus equivalent in a song?
1: Well, having grown up with classical music, I love like when two melodies play at the same time. No, you don't want to make it too busy. But I like to...
0: Tell them why not.
1: Well, because it is underscore, and it will probably go under Dialog, mm-hmm. and you don't want it to be, well, if it's too busy, they're not going to pick it, and really, when you look at what's being used, often it's a simplified version or a stem.
0: Okay, and we'll tell, but, talk about stems in a minute. I don't want to forget that, because it's yeah. important.
1: But I like to do a simple melody in the A section, and then a different simple melody in the B section,
0: okay. and at the
1: end, they play it together. <laughs> And uh, like so, like counterpoint wow. in a sense. Okay, so right.
0: fairly sophisticated yet simplified enough that it's not. I can't remember if it was you or who said it over the weekend. Somebody said something to to the point of music is rarely, if ever, the star. I think maybe Frank Hales. That is so true, though. That's yeah. good, and yeah. we
1: need to remember that early on. I made everything because of my classical background again. Super busy. All right. these. Parts look that, what I can do y- right <laughs> which would never work. Yeah on TV. Well, I shouldn't say never
0: but rarely. Yeah Yeah. Um, so a minute ago you mentioned stems and at some point yesterday I Turned around and said how many people in the room don't know what stems are and a bunch of hands went up I mean mm-hmm. I would say most of our members know at this point But not everybody who watches taxi TV is a member or has the education yet So tell them what a stem is
1: Okay, and I would like to say, because it's different if you do film scoring versus writing for TV.
0: Okay, let's keep it in the context of TV. For TV, TV. yeah. All
1: right, and then a stem would be, um, it's pretty much you mute some of the other tracks. You would mute the lead, so it's only the underscore. And you
0: bounce that to a stereo pair?
1: Uh, Yeah.
0: Okay, so that you could give that to the music supervisor or the editor, and they... So they could line everything up, I'm guessing, with the beeps um, or mm-hmm. the count off, and then they can pick and choose which part of the pre-mixed mix they want to use. Right. Okay. Yeah. I actually knew that, but I was pretending <laughs> to be stupid for your benefit, because that's the kind of show this is. <laughs> Not that you're stupid. I mean, for you know what I mean, the educational value. All right. So how many stems might you have on like something that's kind of a medium weight thing where Um, you know, not the biggest orchestral thing you've done, not the littlest piano cello thing you've ever done, but something that's got four, five, six instruments in it. um, How might you break that out into stems? Um,
1: Well, often the libraries have specific requirements. so Mm. You need to look at that. But if they don't, uh, I usually have the full version and then one without the lead. And then I see if I can create a different... On top of that. And then some of them want the stingers, so that's right. like the ending.
0: Um, something that came up on several panels this weekend it's almost like fades have become non existent, even yeah. in records, um, which has to be heartbreaking for SSL because they have the great auto fade button where you can set the time <laughs> and just watch it go mm, very linearly or otherwise if you choose. Uh, so explain like um, what a, a a natural ending would be, versus a stinger ending or maybe a buttoned ending. I mean, they're all kind of the same thing, but they variations thereof. No. Like I'm, I'm thinking in my world, I think of a stinger is pretty in your face and definitive. Right. Um, a button is definitive but less in your face, and, okay. a, and a natural ending would just be dun 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 dun. And it fades out on its own, kind of a natural acoustic thing. Yeah,
1: Um, okay.
0: I think maybe John Fulford and I stayed up too late one night (laughs) and had that conversation, I don't know. But uh, for the longest time, we used buttoned ending for every listing, and people started asking, what's the difference between a stinger and uh, like a non-faded natural ending and a button? And I think it was Fulford (laughs) that I asked. I think that's where I got that explanation. Yeah. He's a deep thinker. Uh, right, John. Uh, you do a lot of collaborating, fair amount of collaborating. I forget uh, what percentage you said. Maybe like thirty, forty percent of the stuff you do is collaborative.
1: Yeah, I uh, think it's been. Yeah, it's probably a third
0: okay. of everything I've done. So, um, let's talk about the collaboration process, and I'm guessing most of your collaborators don't live um, next door with the llamas. With the <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. you collaborate with people from other states and other countries. Mm-hmm. and yeah. how do you know which collaborator to choose for which project?
1: Well, um, I think it depends on the genre. I mean, that's the first thing I look at. Um, what. Is this a genre I can do alone? So, am I bringing someone on simply because it's fun or because it would go faster? Or am I bringing them on because I can't do it on my own?
0: So, you need, they've got, uh, they're strong in an area that you're not as strong in. Right. Um, And let's talk about the time element because that's got to be critical, I'm guessing. If a library owner reaches out to you and says, Lydia, I need, you know, uh Pitz String dramedy piece, and I'm going to need three versions by Friday. Are you up for it? And it's now Tuesday. And you go, yeah, I'll take that on. Mm-hmm. And you realize that you need somebody to play, um, I'm trying to think of something you might not play, but, um, <laughs> classical acoustic guitar, maybe. Yeah, uh, maybe. Go. Okay, good, because I didn't know <laughs> if you played that or not. Um, and, and you reach out to... One of your friends that you've met at the road rally or on the forum and ask them to contribute that part so you do What is it that you send to them that they then work with on their end? Uh,
1: if well we send audio files,
0: okay, and so, like as a WAV file or an mp3 uh,
1: Well if I'm gonna do the final mix I might send them an mp3 to work with mm-hmm. but request good better quality files back Right, and it depends on what the library wants so, I tell him I need WAV file, whatever, the details. But um, yeah, if I did some tracks with Terry recently, so he does guitar and I did piano. And uh, I started one of the pieces, I laid down the piano first, and then I sent him an email with information on tempo, key signature, the chord progression. And I told him some ideas I had that maybe we could do this. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes I just say, do whatever you want to.
0: Do you send Um, him just a rough piece with the count off on the top so that he knows where to start?
1: It does have the count off, yes. Okay. And then the piano. And he records his parts. And sends it
0: back with the count, and then you just line up the clicks of the count. And do
1: the mix, yeah. Okay. Easy enough. So, easy enough.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, It's pretty amazing, you know, when you think about... A mere, you know, ten fifteen years ago, um, couldn't have done that very easily. It was probably doable, but you would have needed like ISDN lines or something, you know, and, and just more complicated. Yeah. So now let's go back to the timing of it all. And you're on, you know, starting on Tuesday, and you have to deliver a final by Friday. Do you ever run into situations where your collaborator gets held up and says, "Oh, some weak excuse," like you know? I had a heart attack and almost died, (laughs) or or maybe I had the flu, something a little milder. Um, And then you're going to blow this deadline because they're either unprofessional, which I doubt if you'd reach out to them in the first place if they were, but let's assume they had some sort of problem. Um, What do you do in a situation like that where you're counting on them to meet your deadline and your credibility with that library is on the line? Have you ever had those problems or no?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's a, that actually happened on a really big project I was doing.
0: Of course, wouldn't happen on a little one. Yeah,
1: and it's a hard situation. Uh, so I started thinking, I mean, this was a project I really could not do it on my own. I could not finish it on my own. So I started thinking, do I know anybody else? And in this situation, I didn't. So I had to call the library, which is no. not a fun thing to have to do. And uh, They
0: referred you to somebody?
1: no. But but they were kind enough to move the deadline. Oh, okay. But
0: Well, it shows that they respect you enough that they would do it.
1: That's true. And, of course, that told me something about this collaborator. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's one thing if it really is something you can't help and can't get around. Like a
0: legitimate illness or something. Stuff happens. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think there's anything i haven't asked you um oh gear phobia and and please i don't want to get a bunch of emails about this because i don't mean this to be sexist in any way shape or form i'm actually bringing it up from a go ladies perspective but you know men grow up in when we go through high school we like a camaro with mag wheels and a hearse shifter Right, Nathan? we like we like to tinker, whether it's with computers or cars. And women seem to have less desire. I'm not saying less skill or less capacity, right. but generally speaking, less desire to get involved with things that are, are gear or tech-related. Um, and, and I don't mean that across the board. I'm only looking at it from the musical perspective. I've met a lot of female singer-songwriters that are extremely capable as writers, but they're intimidated by... ooh. You know it's too hard for me. I have to go to somebody else to produce record and produce my stuff, and it really holds them back. And I contend just because you're a, you know a different gender, I mean there is no logical reason why your gender should hold you back on a tech level.
1: right um,
0: but the, just my own personal observation, owning taxi all these years, I've seen less women that are that want to get into the tech stuff, okay? Not that they're less capable, but just have less desire. And it upsets me because I don't want to see them held back by, for whatever reason, they're somewhat tech-phobic. How did you learn the tech stuff? And and can you say anything to encourage other women that may feel that it's not in their wheelhouse to do?
1: Yeah. um, Now, I married a tech guy, Nathan... Taught music technology at the university where I got my degree.
0: Oh, so you cheated, for is what ten you said.
1: Years. <laughs> you
0: had an inside job there.
1: And ran a music studio. So, and I've never really honestly been interested in the tech side. So early on, I did, I was like, Nathan, come so, and help me. So you're
0: substantiating what I've observed. <laughs> That's horrible, right? <laughs> That's okay.
1: But then we hit a point um, around the time we moved. So around the time I joined Taxi. Okay. Uh, when he said, okay, I don't have time to do this. You need to figure it out. Go, Nathan. And I was not happy. <laughs> <laughs> but it was one of the best things that could have happened because honestly, it's my productivity just shot through the roof compared to what it had been. Because I didn't have to wait for him. I, I wasn't depending on him to fix things and right. do things. I could just do it on my own.
0: So. I, it's such a funny observation because I know so many women who are very adept at the technical stuff that you would need to do graphics on a computer or other things on a computer. It's not that they're afraid of computers across the board, but when it comes to learning um, Pro Tools, even GarageBand, which is, you know, that's mm-hmm. an afternoon to figure that out, and it's a week to become proficient, I would say, on, on GarageBand, which is far more capable, I think, than people think it is. It's certainly good enough to get started on. Um, And and it really bothers me that in other areas of computer tech-related stuff, that ladies seem very comfortable with the technology, but I've heard this my entire career since computers have become so important to making music, Um, and and there's just no good reason for it. Right, and Mm -hmm. there are
1: so many tutorials
0: on YouTube
1: available nowadays.
0: Unbelievable! It's yeah, it's a different world. My my daughter Hannah uh, was becoming a very good singer songwriter and at some point she said what can I do to become better and I said learn how to play guitar or piano because you Mm. can't just keep writing it in your head and writing down lyrics and she took my Strat that was on a Tuesday morning like 830 in the morning I was leaving for work and by the time I got home for dinner that night she could play two chords on my Strat because she watched YouTube by That's Friday, awesome. she was better than not that I'm a great guitar <laughs> player by any stretch but she could play every chord you needed to to be a, a solid songwriter by Friday and I said how did you learn that?
1: Just yeah.
0: by watching YouTube yeah. so there you go anybody no matter your gender if you're tech phobic uh, you know what, And now I'm going to sound like an ageist um, I see it with um, older people because they didn't grow up with computers and kids are so comfortable because they've grown, you know, most kids have an iPad by the time they're two now Um, you know what there's no age and no gender that can't learn this stuff and it's really important not that I want to take work away from the people who own studios but you need to be able to work at your own pace and you don't want to spend the money and the time every time you're making something
1: right and so you yeah
0: yeah. you don't depend
1: on other people
0: you wouldn't have 350,000 spins of your music if you had to wait yeah right Um, let's see is there anything you haven't covered yet? Oh, books you'd recommend. Um, uh, you and I are fans of the same author, and why don't you go ahead and recommend uh, Stephen's books because everybody watching the show, if you want to be inspired and you want to get your business and artistic sides in sync and productive, listen to Lydia.
1: Yeah, I really like the Stephen Pressfield books. It's the War of Art, Do the Work, and Go Pro. I think. Yeah. I've not read it. You can Google them. Uh, Stephen
0: Pressfield, P-R-E-S-S-F-I-E-L-D.
1: It's an easy read. I read them pretty quickly, but they are very, very good. And it gave me some really good things to think about in how I view my career and how I prioritize things like that. It it helped me a lot.
0: Yeah. You can't read one of those books and not walk away a better person and and more capable of launching your career after reading it It, they're must reads it 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 should be they should make that required reading for every kid that's between like junior high and high school
1: yeah they really should because it's not only about well what we do and obviously he's an author he's a writer so
0: yeah it's basically a get your act together book and it inspires you it doesn't it's not formulaic. It's not like here's this giant, massive pile of stuff you have to do. It's just you read this book and you go, "Wow, I can't believe I've been foolish enough to not do these things." Yeah. Common sense, you know it, and then you read it in a piece of, on, on a page in the book, and you go, "Duh." Um, and finally, do you have any inspirational or sage advice for your fellow members, which I asked on stage, who'd like to be sitting up here, which right now we're on the imaginary <laughs> stage at the Road Rally. Um, yeah any inspirational parting advice
1: yeah something I've been thinking a lot about lately is that when we often say don't compare yourself to others Mm -hmm. but it's so hard not to and
0: oh you know my mother (laughs) my my mother always (laughs) said that but But, you know Johnny got an A (laughs) thanks mom there you go
1: Uh, but when we do we see their highlight reel we see the cool things and we don't Pay attention to the time they spent preparing for those cool things. Mm-hmm. And I had a f- I have a friend who got a really cool job at a TV show here in L.A. recently. And someone else on the set said, oh, you're one of those overnight success. Hmm. Because to him, he came from nowhere and got this cool position. And he said, well, yeah, if you count 17 years of stand-up comedy, working behind the scene on documentaries and TV shows... Networking and all these things, yeah, sure, then yeah. I'm an open <laughs> <heart> success. <laughs> and it made me think about my own life and, you know, to not look down upon those years because success comes when preparation meets opportunity. And if you meet the opportunity but you haven't prepared, you will fall flat and, and it won't, nothing cool will come of it because you weren't ready. So those years are important and don't, yeah, don't look down upon those years, but enjoy them. And that's the other thing. Don't feel like, oh, I have to rush through this preparation so that I can do something cool, but really do live life and don't lose track of the people around you. Uh, but
0: Everybody, we live in this like fast food, ADD, Facebook, internet, speed of light, society where people look, we can, let's face it, you know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, you would have to go to a library to look something up Yeah. or to get a tutorial on how to run, you know, pro tools. Um, you'd probably have to go buy a book and sit there and invest 10 hours to read the book and trying stuff. And now you can watch a YouTube video and solve whatever particular problem you're encountering at that moment in three minutes. So we, I, I think Everybody expects life to move faster and for results to come easier and quicker. Right. And, I mean, look at the number of years that you spent from the time that, before high school when you made the decision go, to go into music before you ever got your first penny from making music. Yeah. How many years was that?
1: Yeah. It's...
0: That had to be, what, um, 20 years?
1: Yeah. And it's. I'm glad I didn't quit. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. Well, you I wouldn't
0: have, but. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You're very inspirational yeah. to me. I had Lydia on the successful member panel, I think, three, four years ago yeah. at the Road Rally, and I remember there were a bunch of guys who were all very inspiring to me on the panel, but Lydia and I locked eyes for a minute, and it was just like we both knew. She knew how much I appreciated how much she inspires me, so <laughs> thank you. Um, do you guys have any questions uh, before we wrap this up, because... Uh, you can. You've got her sitting here live, and we're not under the time pressure that we were at the road rally. It takes a minute. There's a little delay, <laughs> so we'll just hear dun, 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 dun,
1: dun, dun. her. Oh.
0: she is a very talented lady. Okay. Come on, <laughs> Lydia is awesome. Thanks, Casey. It seems like just twelve hours ago I was—well, sixteen hours ago—Casey and I were giving each other a hug in the lobby, and there he is on the other side of the country. Okay,
1: now they're coming.
0: Right. Which brass? Uh, okay. What's your hardware setup, and what's your brass?
1: All right. Let's see. I use two Mac Pros that are linked together. Um, And I have a K2500X keyboard. Someone asked if I'm a keyboard player. I grew up playing violin and viola, uh, but I do consider piano my main instrument now because that's what I use. Uh,
0: Here's an interesting question. I'm not sure I understand. Uh, Do you have fades during the two-minute cues?
1: Do you mean, maybe they mean like, place where they can cut.
0: I'm I'm thinking that they might mean edit point because, yeah, you wouldn't wouldn't drop the master fader in the middle of a cue, but But uh, if he is asking about edit points, do you build those into your cues?
1: I do keep that in consideration. It's not every piece I write have that, but it does help the music editor if you do.
0: It, it seems like it would be tough if you're doing a very legato orchestral piece, you know, a little harder to put an edit point in there versus a pizzicato piece would be like every bar could be an yeah, edit. Yeah,
1: or suspense pieces you can usually put some edit points in. But
0: So I hope that's what you're asking. Um,
1: Someone asked about the trumpets on Eternal Flame. Okay. That was live trumpets. So I was very happy to be able to work with an actual... Trumpet player, for that one. When you can add real instruments, it makes such a difference.
0: And um, which monitors so. do you use when you're not working on the headphones? You go to mix. Which monitors? It's
1: do you? a Yamaha. Infield, I think it's called. Near, near field. Near, near field. Okay. <laughs> Hs10. Anyways. NS10. Oh, okay. NS10s. That's
0: what's sitting back here. Um, Right there, over her shoulder. Oh. Uh, yeah, that shoulder, right there. Those <laughs> In his tens. Um Do you do a mix and that's it? Or do you do any sort of mastering? That's a good question. I
1: do do mastering. And right now, I have ML4000. And up until very recently, I just kind of picked a preset. And I'm actually in the process of learning more. So I can go in and really tweak it with the EQ and all of those things.
0: Um, Somebody asked why you use two Macs and not just one more powerful
1: Mac. Yeah. Uh, They are both uh, pretty good, Uh, but it's because I do so much orchestral and those libraries take so much power and for a while, I was only able to do some few tracks. Then I had to turn it into audio and do some other ones. But then if you want to change something in the piece. Oh, man. Yeah, it's a pain. Yeah,
0: and it really slows you down. So,
1: yeah, exactly. So, so this way
0: you're able to keep like all, the, all the processing intensive work on one computer and the other one is basically where you're building stuff? So like so, all the strings right. that live on one computer and basically the, all the Pro tool session stuff is on the other one? And that way you're just kind of playing the strings off of the other computer yeah. and not using it up. Okay, makes perfect sense. Um, when you can't get live for orchestras, do you edit the articulation yourself, then retain those settings for future use? Very good question.
1: Um, I do, create. yeah, I, I like to call it creating the performance, which is why it takes so long because you're not, Performing one instrument anymore, you're performing every instrument of the orchestra, which is why orchestral takes so long. Um, I usually don't uh, re- retain the settings. I'm not sure. I mean, I go in and work with the dynamics and articulations. I mean, it depends on the phrase for that specific piece. I try to think how that would have been played on the violin or the trumpet, or so it's going to be different depending on how the melody is and the rhythm. Um, hope that answers. your
0: question. Um, somebody asked, how do you compose your cues? I think you kind of answered this before. Maybe the uh, Polly. Hey, Polly, how are you doing, man? I'm well, a, I could but, say, I, yes, sir. But he wanted to know if you if you start with the melody or chords.
1: Ooh, that's a good question. Actually, often I sit down and improvise at the piano. So I guess it's kind of like a mix. Uh, I think usually the melody, well, I don't know. I haven't thought about it.
0: <laughs> we'll we'll update you on a future episode. Yeah, there you
1: go. <laughs> I'll be back.
0: Um, I hope so. This is fun. Can you do the strings? Some of these are fragments, I don't understand. You know, yeah. it's like half a question, then a foot later is the other half of the question. Um We need a book, Demystifying <laughs> Lydia's Cue's very funny, Casey. That's a play on uh, Dean Crapaine's book, Demystifying Ooh, the Cues.
1: Do I use Sibelius? I can answer it's Uh only if it's gonna be performed live or recorded. It's I started out writing concert music out of college. So then I use Sibelius all the time. Uh but now when I do for T V when it's when I'm also creating the performance, not only the notation, I use digital performer.
0: All right. One or two more questions and we're gonna wrap it up because I promised my staff I'd let them go home early today. (laughs) Such oh, a nice, nice guy. Yeah, considering they worked a yeah. you know, gazillion hours over the weekend and then just off uh, you know took everything out of the trucks, I think they deserve it an hour early. Um any recording books that you'd recommend or did you learn everything on um, YouTube or from having Nathan? <laughs> oh, <laughs> that was really fortunate on your part, I've gotta to say, to have a music <laughs> tech guy under the roof is
1: Yeah, you know. that's that's helped.
0: <laughs> Can I borrow them for like six months?
1: <laughs> what do <are> you
0: pay? <laughs> <laughs> not enough <laughs> were there any books that you like do you keep any books nearby you know like a, as a reference that if you're doing something and uh you don't want to take the time to go watch a video where you can just look in the index and go you know um compressor 101 or something or, or not really necessary i Does
1: have the digital performer book which is where, where's my hand? Here, <laughs> really big. <thick.
0: laughs> I know it's funny. Yeah,
1: so that because there's so many things you can do within that program, but specifically for like mixing or stuff, I, I have a lot of books in a bookshelf right there. Okay.
0: Uh-huh. And how did you learn to mix? That, that's a good basic question because back in my day, it would be four studios under one roof, and you could hang out in other people's rooms and hear how they were mixing and learn from them. So because you're isolated living out next to the llamas Mm
1: -hmm.
0: um, I'm guessing you were self-taught as to what a good balance was.
1: Yeah. A lot is to just listen and try different things. What happens if I turn this knob all the way over here? How does that sound versus all the way the other way? Mm -hmm. And then you find what you think sounds good. Now, and I have watched a lot of YouTube videos. Now I do have the advantage of saying, Hey, Nathan. I'm trying to figure this out, you know, can you give me some pointers? But a lot has been just trying and he often tells me you have to just do it and listen. Use your ears. Yeah. So, but of course you need to have a starting point. So that's where you would want it. someone to talk to or a book or a YouTube video or
0: I'm kind of amazed. Sometimes Something. we get uh, demos in to Taxi that it, I always use this analogy. But it sounds like somebody took a um, like a Gillette double-edged razor blade, which would be kind of dangerous. But it, it sounds like thin a thin metal guitar pick yeah. on an electric guitar that's been taken direct, and it's like really you couldn't hear that. That sounded incredibly tinny and overly bright. I don't understand how people cannot notice that, and right. you know either roll off the top end or add some bottom end or do whatever they need to do to just make it sound like a normal guitar. But they don't have another person sitting in the room with them.
1: Right. And you need to train your ears. It's Early on, I thought my orchestral music was amazing. And I didn't know why, you know, some people didn't want it. And then I started listening more because... I was so focused on writing my music that that's what I heard all the time and I had stopped listening to the real deal. And then so I went back. Someone told me, you have to go back and listen to actual real orchestral things. And I turned it on right after I listened to one of my pieces and I went, oh, I hope no one heard this other stuff.
0: Talk about depression. So,
1: yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So, so how did you get better?
0: Just... Kept listening to more stuff and doing A Bs between yours and the real deal.
1: Yeah, that's got to be And then try to recreate that sound.
0: Do you? Can you so. like shut your eyes and map out an orchestra where everybody is? If you were looking at a bird's eye view of an orchestra, can you see where? Um, you know, the cello section would be, where the violas are, where the harps would be, and, and pan, oops, pan your instruments so that it lays out like a real orchestra?
1: I can. Now, I grew up playing with orchestras. Right, so you're seeing
0: it from the other perspective?
1: Yeah, I see it from the viola section. Right. <laughs> but, yeah.
0: Okay. I, yeah. Um, so everything sounds like as if you were sitting in the viola section.
1: Well, I, I turn around when I mix. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, See,
0: I always the, panned my drums as if I were sitting at the drum kit, oh, and that really? was the opposite of pretty much everybody else, because everybody else I knew at the time mixed as if you were watching the drummer on stage. So my tom toms always went from high to low. And That's interesting. Went high to low that way. So, yeah. But I'm left-handed, what can I say? And, and I always favored my left ear. Um, <laughs> Mike Moriello says, Yep, there's the 10,000 hours thing again. Yeah, you know, it's so true, but everybody wants to do 10,000, have 10,000 hours worth of experience, quality, and expertise um, and get it in 50 hours. Can't do it, right? Yeah. (laughs) All right. um, Which brass software? I thought we covered that, but maybe not. Uh, Well,
1: For that specific piece, I use live performers. But when I do use brass, I have cinebrass. I have... uh... Nathan, do you remember the name of the other one? No. Albion? No. Well, I don't remember. You can email me and ask. (laughs) And I will tell you.
0: All right. Well, people are saying goodnight night on the other end, so why don't you and yeah. I say goodnight. Thank you so much for tuning in, you guys. And Lydia, once again, I don't want to give you a kiss, or a hug because my wife is really sick, and I don't—I could be a carrier, but I, I'm just—I I delight in hanging out with you, and I'm just oh, so you. proud of you, and love your family, and I—I I get the whole thing, and just continued success to you, and uh, I hope we can have you back up there for some other lofty award someday, for you know the most number of plays ever in a single (laughs) season or something. Um, And just continue the great work because you are everything that I imagined when I started taxi. And I remember saying, you know, like great musicians can be anywhere. Great music could come from anywhere. And um, everything that John Brahaney embodied or, or, cared about you know people working hard at their craft craft was like his favorite word and Mm -hmm. and and being realistic and perseverant and all that stuff Um, you are all that stuff so
1: thank you you
0: really richly deserved uh, the John Brahaney award and thank you to all you guys for tuning in today it was great to see many of you at the road rally and meeting some of you for the first time we will see you next week on another exciting episode (laughs) Of Taxi TV Live. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> Studio <laughs> audience today. Yahoo!